The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, or I should say parenthetically drive with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. What a show we have for you today. Let's get started. Okay, I have some instructions for all of you out there. Climb in. Buckle up. Your connected car is ready to leave the garage. What? Are you ready? So much contained in that opening. Let me tell you what we're talking about. Just like radio and PCs and smartphones have changed our world. Come on, admit it. They really, really have. If you're back from the old enough to remember the early days of radio, I know my mom was going to be 99, remembers being called into the living room by her older brother, 15 years older, and saying, Ruthie, look at this box. There's a voice coming out of it. And she said, what is that? And he said, that's called radio. Don't don't ask how many years ago that was. PCs rocked our world. Smartphones, well, who doesn't have one? Well, guess what? Connected vehicles are coming, and they are here, and they are going to rock our world as well. As the automotive industry advances toward a fully autonomous connected vehicle. That's right. Driverless, autonomous, connected, a lot there. But don't worry. They're going to be safe. These connected cars, they're going to be courteous. Oh, my goodness. Is this the end of road rage? We should do a whole separate show on that. They're going to be green. That's right. Environmentally correct and kind. They're going to be shared. That's right. We're in the sharing economy. And they're going to be tailored for purpose. And the big word is driverless. And one more thing for those of you business listeners out there, they will be the business platform of the future. Big question is how how, how all of this can be happening. We have a panel of experts. Two of them are returning to the show, and one is brand new. So let me get started welcoming back Joe Barkai. He is our automotive industry analyst, and Joe has sent me a wonderful quote from Alice in Wonderland. You all know, written by, well, his name was Lewis Carroll, but his real full name was Charles Ludwig Dodgson, lived from 1832 to 1898, and he didn't only write Alice in Wonderland, he wrote wonderful poems like the Jabberwocky. And if you don't remember it, look it up. I cried when I read the words, Joe, because somebody near and dear to me many years ago used to get on the phone and say, "'Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. Oh, mimsy were the borrow groves and the mome wraths outgrabe." I'll leave it at that. But anyway, here's the quote from Alice in Wonderland, a little more tame. I can't believe that, said Alice. Can't you, said the queen, in a pitying tone, try again. Draw a long breath and shut your eyes. Joe Barkai, I love the quote. How are you, Joe? <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. <laughs> Good. And, and I Sorry for the fight. I find, I find yep. Alice to be kind of an endless source of smart, somewhat 
quirky, but nonetheless very kind of very astute observations. So it's always a good source. She is. And you know something interesting that Lewis Carroll didn't just write fanciful and deep stories like Alice in Wonderland. He was a mathematician. He was a logician. He was an Anglican deacon and he was a photographer. Did you know all that about him, Joe? I, cer- I, I certainly did. And, and I think that you can sometimes read between the lines some of his observations about time, for, exa- for example. So he, in a way, talked about relativity of time um, in the Med Hatter Tea Party. Mm-hmm. I have to go reread that. So tell me, how does this quote about, I can't believe that, can't you shut your eyes, draw a long breath, how does this relate to our topic today? We're talking specifically, and by the way, this is the fourth part of this topic. This is called the Connected Car Take 4, Driverless 2. So Joe is back, as is Larry Stoley, who will join us in a minute, and Otto Shell from GM is our new panelist today. So Joe, how does this quote from Alice in Wonderland, this timeless quote, relate to our new topic today? Right. So, so as you said, Bonnie, we are kind of an accelerated evolution of uh, vehicular technologies, uh, especially around um, active safety systems. I'm sure we'll refer to those, and we often use the acronym ADAS. Um, driver-assisted assistance, like, such as parking, uh, autonomous driving that you discussed. Um, so connected cars of the future will be kind of communicating with each other and with the infrastructure. Uh, but even today, we don't have to wait long. Uh, connected cars give consumer access to host of, inf- of cloud-hosted information and services, um, and, and car makers are beginning to get to know their cars and their customers um, better. So back to, to Alice, uh, we, all, we only need to kind of shut our eyes and imagine a brave new world of connected and communicating cars uh, that allows us to have fewer car crash fatalities, which is a big, big um, epitome in the, in the U.S. and the world around. Um, we'll have less congested roads. We'll have less pollution. But the point, and this is why I chose Alice here, the point is that just like some of the characters in Alice in Wonderland, some of the ideas and observations that we tend to discuss aren't necessarily realistic or practical. And I think that we will come back to, to this topic again, uh, as we did in previous shows. So we'll look at, you know, what is the evolution of technology? I suspect that technology advancement may be faster than the ability of business ecosystem and, more importantly, society to adopt. And I'd be happy to talk more about the societal issues around um, connected cars. And, Bonnie, you touched upon it already, and, and you and I did not talk about it when you mentioned mm-hmm. courteous cars. I, yes. I might want to second that, that observation. Thank you. And wouldn't it be great if we could get rid of road rage? We would love it if humans could be courteous, but unfortunately, a lot of people take their moods out on this machine underneath them, and that's one of the problems. I love everything you've said, Joe, and I can't wait to dive deeper into this topic. But right now, I'm going to introduce our new panelist, and his name is Otto Schell, S-C-H-E-L-L. He is the Global SAP Business Architect and Center of Excellence Lead at GM, and Otto has sent me a fascinating quote from John 12 Hawks. Now think about this, everyone. 12 is spelled out. Hawks is plural. And if you think you can look up John 12 Hawks, you might be surprised to know that his real identity is unknown. Whoever he is, he communicates using the internet in an untraceable phone and has never met his editor. I picked all this up online. I don't know if it's true. Several guesses have been made regarding his identity. Some say he was Thomas Pinchon. Some say he was Dave Bra- Dan Brown and even Stephen Hawking's. What can I tell you? Here's the quote. Every new experience is unusual. 
The rest of life is just sleep and committee meetings. You have to smile. Otto Shell, welcome from the Seattle airport. How are you, Otto? I'm doing very, very well. And Thank I'm you for really, joining us. And I'm really delighted to be part of this uh, panel. Thank you. And, and talking about driverless cars, Otto, you have been trying to negotiate plane trips and travel agendas and logistics for days in and out of airports trying to get from A to Z. I don't know if a driverless car could have done it easier and faster with all the, the time you spent trying to juggle your airline travel. But we are so pleased that you can join us. Now, tell me, are you a fan of whoever John 12 Hawks is? And by the way, this quote is from The Traveler, Fourth Realm, Number One. Sounds like sci-fi. Talk to me, Otto. How did you pick this quote? Um, I picked John 12 Hawks by random when I was at the airport picking a book and it sounded great, the traveler, because <laughs> I'm traveling. But what it's really about is traveling beca- uh, between different realms. So different lives, different uh, realms means also outside of the world. And the fantastic thing at this book is it's talking about just a few people which are able to do this. It talks about people which are called harlequins which protect those people, and it talks about the big governance, which tries really to restrict that people can go outside the realms because they have rules and they don't want anybody to destroy these rules. Connected cars are a little bit like this. No? So when you come to discussions about, yes, I would like it. Yeah. So if I would be rich, the first thing I would buy is a chauffeur because I don't like driving. So mm-hmm. connected car would help us doing this. When I started this morning, 2.30 at, uh, at Vancouver going to Seattle, yeah, connected car would not have really helped me going from the airport faster. But what it would have helped me is to avoid all the single steps I need to do with humans at the moment, going to passport control, to get all out of this kind of things. So I'm really a traveler in mind to get as much as possible digitalized also for myself. Thank you very much. Good motivation there. And again, thank you so much for working out the time. We're delighted to have you and looking forward to a lot more insights from you, Otto Shell. And now, by the way, who do you think John 12 Hawks is? Do you think he's Stephen Hawking or who do you, do you think he's somebody else? Maybe, guess? John, maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the real Otto Shell is coming out of his shell. Thank you very much. I love that. I think it could be Joe Barkai. If it's not you, Otto, I think it's Joe Barkai. But I could be wrong. And we're going to get a vote on this next from Larry Stoley, our third panelist, who's a returning panelist here. And Larry and I are cooking up a whole radio series next year on automotive, future of automotive. Can't wait. And here's the quote. Larry has sent me a quote from Ivan Reitman, or some of you might pronounce it, Reitman, R-E-I-T-M-A-N. He's a Canadian film producer and director, best known for, wait for it, Ghostbusters and Draft Day and Twins and Kindergarten Cop. And there is so much in his bio, I can't even think of sharing it all here because it would take the whole show. But anyway, here's the quote. I call it like the domino theory of reality. If you can go one step at a time and it seems to make sense, you can then take your audience into an area that is relatively outlandish. Larry Stoley, are you implying with this Ivan Reitman quote that connected cars and driverless cars in and out of our garages and being courteous and green and shared that this is outlandish? Welcome back, Larry. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely, it's outlandish. (laughs) Larry, are you John 12 Hawks? I absolutely not. I don't think so deeply. 
I'm deeply, I'm glad. So tell me, how did you pick this quote other than the word outlandish? Talk to me. Well, I, you know, I, I got to looking around for quotes, and, and it, I saw this one, and it dawned on me that being in the automotive industry for as long as I have, we've actually been, been being fed pieces and technology that are important to autonomous vehicles for many, many years. We've got GPS. We've got ABS. We've got electrical steering. We've got uh, lane departure. We've got collision avoidance. All of these things come to us one little piece at a time. And as we get those pieces, we become more and more comfortable with them. We trust them. We believe in them. We accept them. And lo and behold, very quickly, these breadcrumbs, if you will, lead us to an autonomous vehicle. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, an autonomous vehicle, which five years ago, ten years ago, was completely science fiction, is Mm -hmm. now, oh my gosh, real. Interesting. Tell me something, Larry. I have to ask you and the rest of the panel, how big a garage do you need for a driverless car to back in and out of the garage? We know what people use garages for. They're mini storage storage castles. They're mini if it can't fit underneath the bed or in the attic or in the kitchen cabinet or underneath the desk. Put it in the garage, damn it. What are we going to have to do with our whole the whole um culture of garages to be able to have a driverless car that isn't going to destroy everything. Larry, any quick comments? Well, I, I honestly think I'll have more storage castle in the garage because driverless cars <laughs> are very precise. So, right. you know, they'll do a better job of parking than I can. So, and, and actually, I, I there's a different question altogether with autonomous cars. Why do we even need to own a car? Why not share cars? Very good. Uh-huh. Kind of Drive around ah. and then you show up when you need them and go away when you don't need them. Well, Very wouldn't good. that be nice? And therefore, what that brings to mind is that they're going to be stored somewhere. It will be somebody's garage. It might be like the shared bicycles all over Manhattan right now, where there are just places where you have a bike rack with 50 bikes waiting, and you, you do whatever you do uh, to open the bike with some kind of a passcode and membership, and then you take it and you deposit it somewhere else. So do you think we'll be going to shared garages? Uh, anybody? Is well, that they, how they we'll... Won't f- even need, I'm, I'm, you know, to kind of put push the, the point further, we mm-hmm. won't need much in the way of garages because the whole idea is fewer cars can service more people. They, can, they should be moving continuously. They should never stop because it's a so waste. The, Today, so th- average cars I use maybe 30% of the time, in some instances less than that. Most of the time you drive a car to work, it sits in the office, you drive it back home, sits in the garage, yep. so you can find maybe 10 or 20% utilization whereas we should strive for 80 and 90% utilization of cars. This should not take away from the desire of some people to have sort of a weekend car for fun. I mean, we're not uh-huh. taking away the fun. Uh, but today, cars are, are kind of consume space. They, they create pollution. They, they congest the road. There's no need for them. So, so then the implications uh, uh, for the home building industry are you can buy a car with garage optional now, correct? Perhaps, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just, just talking to the building. Uh, Larry, did I hear you? No, no you, I didn't say anything. I, okay. I, I absolutely support Joe, though. I mean, there was a study done in Ann Arbor a few uh, short while ago where they looked at the number of vehicles in operation and said, can we do the same thing with less vehicles? And, and they took 200,000 uh, personally owned vehicles in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and said, you know, we could accomplish the same thing with, you know, 90% less. And that's pretty profound and, you know, has implications 
you know, far-reaching in, in terms of storage, in terms of congestion, Indeed. in terms of, you know, uh, real autonomous vehicle operation. Indeed. I want to get Otto. Otto, I hear you in the background there. Talk to me. What are you thinking about all of this? What is What are the implications for Europe? Uh, first of all, I, I think, and I, I told you in the beginnings that I'm a little bit diverged thinking, yeah? so I don't care how the car goes into the garage or outside of the garage. It's a car's problem, number one. Number two, <laughs> and this will change. This will change our mindset. And most of the stuff you have in the garage today is because you need winter tires, you need tools for the car. This will change. The winter tires will come to your house or to the car uh, because a lot of business model will change around the car. The discussion is uh, on, on, on the car itself is, of course, very, very critical because the, uh, in, in cities where you have the infrastructure, self-driving cars is, is not something uh, where we cannot envision. It's more about how do you work this out in, in countries like U.S. or Canada where you have the big distances. Uh, so how does this work? I think the entire automotive industry will have to change thinking about this when you see in the last couple of uh, months uh, reports out of big automotive OEMs. Yeah? So one of the biggest things they have now on their plate is Uber, and Uber is mm-hmm. also kind of connected car. So the entire business model is changing. But to your question, what does it mean to the garage? I agree what was said before. Yeah? There will be smart cities, connected cities, smart services, and I envision that you have to auction at a certain place in time uh, a parking spot or a garage. Mm-hmm. And, and I, want, I want to thank all of you for these comments. I'm reading the tweet stream here. We have Dean Pappas underscore number two, who is uh, one of our favorite tweeters because he's always controversial tweeting. And he says, what is the driving CX when the car drives itself? The Corvette is not about function but feel. Ah, we just mentioned the weekend car. Joe, you want to answer, Dean? Yes, absolutely. I think that... Uh, everything we said is just kind of addition to the flexibility that we have in terms of uh, transportation modalities and access to vehicles. I think we'll have more choices. Uh, if you like your Corvette, go ahead and have a Corvette in a garage because it's too expensive to maybe keep outside and enjoy the, the drive. So, And also many of the comments, and I think Otto just made a similar comment, what we say is we're going to see it much sooner in urban areas. Uh, in rural areas, again, the need for larger cars or trucks and long distances will will be kind of uh, still will encourage people to keep cars. But we're talking about flexibility. We're talking about savings. And maybe let me add another. You asked uh, about Europe. Mm-hmm. An interesting process today. There's a town or city uh, called um, uh, Clinton Me Keys, if I remember correctly, not far away from London. They had a discussion about having a to build a monorail or light rail system from the um, from the uh, airport to the financial uh, district of the city, and they decided not to do that. Instead, by 2018, they'll have a fleet of about 50 autonomous cars driving people back and forth. So, here's an example where we invest less in infrastructure and we replace cars, polluting cars, and, and drive clogging cars with autonomous pods. Granted, in 2018, there'll be a driver as a backup, but as we evolve the technology as we create the right infrastructure, and then we'll just have uh, more options. So it's all about um, flexibility and options. Um, so you can own a car, you can uh, summon a car um, uh, using your app from an Uber or something like that. You can uh, mm-hmm. have fractional ownership, like in zip cars. We just have m- many more options now. Very uh, interesting. Me, yeah. yeah, go ahead. May I, may I comment? 
it's yeah. cars is all about passion. Yeah, so mm-hmm. as I said before, it's not used all the time, but there are more things in the world which are not used all the time. But uh, years ago, nobody was passionate to tweet or to work on a smartphone. Yeah, when you see now people walking around, they are only doing this. So the generations will change this passion. Yeah, there will always uh-huh. be people who love to drive, who want to get it. But I think there will also be people which will enjoy the service around this. So this will change over time, and passion will change for this too. Although, Otto, I think that um, this trend will change with generations. So we look at the millennials, those that soon will become the larger population to buy cars. By the way, there now this year for the first time we have more millennials than baby boomers in the U.S. This generation in general cares much less about cars than maybe our generation, so they're not as passionate. There's plenty of statistics that shows that they are getting the driver's license later than before. Uh, few of them are getting driver's license because, again, we have, they have options. And as I said last time I saw you guys in Detroit, their view sometimes is that driving is distracting them from texting. So they are not as passionate as other generations about owning a car. Very interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Larry. I have to comment on this one. Being an old old car guy, and I, you know, I use the term "old" carefully. It's either a badge of honor or (laughs) an excuse sometimes. Honor, darling. It's an honor if you're on my show. It's an honor. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Cars are are very very special to me. They they are about style. Otto said passion. Uh, very much so. They're about style. They're about driving thrill. They're about status. And, and they also serve ego. So I think we have to be very, very careful about, you know, uh, our perspective of cars will become vanilla, cars will become bland, cars will become transportation. There are always going to be people like me, and believe me, I'm doing everything possible with, in my center of influence to you know, keep the brand, or keep the passion alive, the driving passion alive. Let's don't uh, let's don't give up on it too quick. I love that. By the way, I I have my little 350ZX convertible. It's a 2008. I bought it in 2012 with about 17,000 miles on it. It's garaged. Joe, I work from home. I don't think I take that car out more than three or four times a week to go at the most five miles. I adore my car. I am so excited to get in that car and figure out how I'm going to get three bags of groceries in the trunk. But I love that challenge. Otto, I am still passionate, and people still stop me. Now, get this. This car is seven years old. It's it's midnight blue with a little uh, gray rag top. It's adorable, leather seats. And people still stop me and say, wow, I love the car. And I love that. uh, And that's part uh, of the reason. So that's not going away. Otto, any comments on passion? Yeah, I'm also passionate about car, but it does not mean that I need to drive it. Ah, (laughs) I love it. I still love driving it. Anyway, listen, guys, we're almost, we're, we're way past timing, but this is too good a conversation for me to stop. So let's circle back to Joe Barkai. Joe, you know what's coming next. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'd love to know what's in your cup today while we're talking about this future of driverless and automotive and connectivity and digital world and sharing economy and green and courteous and all these things. What are you drinking to fuel, fuel this drive in Joe Barkai right now? Talk to me, Joe. So, 
so this morning I don't really have any surprise. I actually started my day just like out of very early for a call with China, so I'm past my coffee. So all I have to share with you now, Bonnie, is that I'm drinking tea. But you'd love, I'm sure you'd be happy to hear that it's in a mug. Uh, and on the mug it says, it's a very fancy mug that says coffee break with game changers. Oh, <laughs> I'm so fl- so honored. Thank you. You have the official coffee break mug. Thank you very much, yes. Joe. We, we love you even more. Thank you very much. Larry Stoley, let's turn it over to you. What are you drinking, Larry? I, I'm the easy coffee guy. I drink coffee <laughs> any kind, anywhere, anytime, <laughs> and uh, I'm quite happy. So this morning I'm with my usual uh uh, bland Folgers black in a cup, and uh, I don't need any more than that. Well, then you have that passion, that basic level of, a lot of people are passionate about Folgers. Come on, Larry, that's still a very, very popular coffee, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. But you know what I'm passionate about while I'm listening to all of you talk is I'm passionate about all of the wonderful people who are tweeting about this show. We have Dave Fowler at SAP, and he says, in my cup today, he's drinking Twinnings or Twinings. I never know how to pronounce it with that double N. Twinings peppermint tea. Dave, you're after my own heart, and apparently peppermint tea, the mint, is so good for everything in your body, your digestion, your health, your maintaining your weight. I just had a nutritionist on my personal radio show Monday night, and she said, Peppermint tea is one of the top drinks to drink for your health. So here's to Avotra Sante, Lachayam Dave Fowler. We also have the lovely Stephanie Thomas tweeting at underscore S-T-E-P-H Thomas, and she is quoting Joe Barkai. She says, Joe Barkai says, millennials driving preferences or lack thereof will drive the future of cars. And she's asking people to tune in and listen to us. And of course, Dean Pappas says, oh, how depressing. Millennials are less interested in cars. And she's quoting a, a previous quote from Joe Barkai, which says, driving distracts me from texting. Joe, I remember you said that on the right. last show. Mm-hmm. Otto, Otto, you are back. We were trying to yeah, stall here. So, oh, you sound great. Otto, what are you drinking in the airport now? Or what are you planning to drink after the show or when you land? I drink 95% of my time coffee. So I have a coffee in front of me and I will take a coffee afterwards. Okay, very good. You have a favorite kind of coffee, Otto? Uh, just strong. And, of course, <laughs> and just uh, the, the best coffee you can get in Italy at a good espresso shop, no doubt. I love that. And I hear the coffee there is amazing. Yes, so you're very, very lucky. Otto, you dialed back. You sound fantastic. You know what? We're going to give everybody a break of about 90 seconds here. So we're talking today about the connected car. Take four driverless too. Join us here. Listen to us. The show will be available on podcast about two hours after we're off the air. If you're keeping track, I think I am. This is episode number 205 of Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, a little show we started on October 5th, 2011. Yes, I remember it well. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and a shout out to our tweeters, Stephanie Thomas, Dave Fowler, Dean Pappas. Join them at hashtag SAP Radio. We'd love to hear what you think about connected cars and the car of the future. So we're going to go out and take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin, out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Thank you for sticking around. We're back. Breaking news. Stephanie Thomas says she is drinking Tea Spot Chocolate Peppermint Patty Tea. Yay, Steph, you got that peppermint in there. That's a very healthy drink in chocolate. Well, what doesn't chocolate solve cure in the world absolutely everything i'm with you okay dean pappas why don't you tell oh dean says yes we love starbucks but we have a lot to learn from europe on coffee amen to that dean pappas so we are talking about the connected car in a very lively conversation you might even say my three panelists are very passionate about this we're talking to joe barkai otto shell shout out to gm and larry stoley if you're looking for larry it's not like the Vodka. It's S-T-O-L-L-E. He has a tamed down version of Stoli for his last name. Joe Barkai, let's kick off the roundtable, but I think this is almost part two of the roundtable because we've already been having one. So you said to me in your notes, Joe, technology advancement may be faster than the ability of the business ecosystem and society to adopt. And my question, and I don't usually ask questions at this point, but how fast is faster and what's the real timeline here? Joe, talk to me. Uh, okay, so how fast is fast? Very, very fast. Um, but the progress is in individual technologies uh, and features. So, you know, fancy displays in cars, uh, human-machine interfaces are getting better, the active safety devices are much better, or driver assistance features like um, parallel parking, a challenge for many drivers, passions or not, etc. So I think that individual components are progressing very fast. Uh, they are not coming together, in my opinion, as kind of um, a complete autonomous car yet. Uh, part of it is because the OEMs see a lot of these electronics as a way to um, to differentiate and, and control the market. In my opinion, I'd love to hear others uh, chiming in this. In my opinion, it's a mistake because they are focusing, they being OEMs, car makers, focused on features and functionality that will become a commodity, either because everybody will have it, or and or because it will be regulated like um, advanced safety systems. So I think that it will take time until we see those autonomous cars on the roads. I want to open the conversation for one other point, but I'm not going to go there unless we have time, which is in order to really see the impact of those technologies coming together and have the impact that we discussed, uh, reduced congestion and so on, and, and uh, in the reduced um, number of road uh, fatalities, we have to have a, uh, a, a critical mass of cars, as it were. 
and not to do the math uh, online, to do it live, but given the number of cars we have in the U.S., given the rate in which we sell new cars and replace uh, old cars, it'll take about 8 or 10 years for um, 30% of the cars to be smart. So if we start today, it'll take mm. 10% for only 30% of the cars on the road to be smart and courteous, as you said, Bonnie, and so on. Mm. Uh, you asked me about timeline. I think that realistically, or I think that I, I, I predict as it were, that it'll be five to ten years, closer to ten years, before we see significant amount of autonomous driving on the roads. Mm. Otto, Shell, weigh in on this. What do you see, Otto? What I see is that, that we are talking about this. Why we are talking about this? Because with the new technology enablement, <clears throat> the new way we think business, uh, it's get very visible, and, and we have to think about how we move this. Uh, I agree that it will take time, but the time is not because the car cannot drive autonomous right now. Time we need for the infrastructure. It doesn't make sense if you have an autonomous driving car and the cities are not uh, prepared for this. It doesn't make sense if everything around is not prepared. Yeah? For example, if you lose Internet access or something else, which you need for this kind of stuff. So to prepare the ecosystem will take time, and... Uh, in the car industry, um, electric driving or other alternatives than uh, gasoline are discussed since more than 20, 30 years, and there were already old models which could do this, and a lot of movies which have this kind of vision. At the end of the day, it's to break also the lobby around about this, and this mm -hmm. will take time because there are humans behind, and humans have to change. The car is able to drive. Amen to that. Larry Stoley, chime in, please. I was just recalling a quote that, that uh, came from General Chuck Yeager. He was talking about uh, current military aircraft. He got in for a backseat ride in one, and he looked at the, the cockpit instruments, and he said, there's an angle of attack indicator. He looked at that and said, anybody worth his salt that flies a plane doesn't need that. So anyway, my point is, as we go along the road to autonomous vehicles, and by the way, I believe in autonomous vehicles, uh, Two weeks ago at, at our uh, event in Detroit, I, I was convinced. I was a cynic mm -hmm. before. I'm convinced it's the way of the future. But along the way, there are many milestones, if you will. And right now, we're caught in this, this strange little place. Change hasn't been accepted yet. The infrastructure isn't, isn't all in place yet. And I just have to take a shot at ADAS, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. My wife and I picked up a, a new vehicle a couple of weeks ago. 2016 has all that stuff. You know what? I kind of call them advanced driver, driver aggravation systems today <laughs> because, you know, everything around us isn't exactly um, working together yet. We haven't made the, the huge leap forward to autonomy. I see lights going off. I see bells going off. I see chimes going off. It's like, give me a break. Right now, they're more aggravation than help. Don't, don't, don't take that the wrong way. They absolutely have value. But in normal driving, when I'm in complete control uh, of the vehicle and aware of my situation, very situationally aware, they are an aggravation. So we've got a little ways to go before we get to that autonomous mode, but it's coming, and uh, there, there's no stopping it. So first of all, yeah. I was there when we converted Larry to believe in autonomous driving. I was there. 
so I just want to go on the record saying that. <laughs> I was going to ask um, what convinced him, and Joe, you just gave me the answer. So, there, Joe, well, how did you do me, it? No, it wasn't me. It was a kind of a, a number of, of people from industry who talked about the, the advancement in technology, the experimentation, the value. But I also agree with Larry that there, there's way to go. It's more than just a collection of technologies. Interestingly, you know, talking about the aggravation that Larry mentioned, I, do you know why uh, dealer expects, um, you know, many more service calls next week? I can why? tell you there are going to be many more. Because people, you know, we switch back to uh, standard time, and people don't, can't even set the clock in their cars. You're right. So, you're right. You're right. Because they made it so hard to do. It's right. so and then each car is different, and each car is yes. Is, but but now, <clears throat> moving this to a kind of slightly more deeper and, and kind of techno- technically driven conversation, um, we yes, we are making nice progress in individual technologies, but we're still not putting them together. We're unable to do that, and, and uh, I think that we are somewhat swayed by the, by the um, breathless uh, headlines about autonomous cars. Um, we are still not in a position where we can put autonomous cars in kind of more extreme um, conditions. So it's nice to drive during daytime in Nevada. It's not that easy to drive in the winter uh, in the afternoon when the sun shines uh, in your face uh, and it's snowy uh, in, in Boston. So, you know, in, in, New York. in engineering and <laughs> physics, we, talk, we call these boundary conditions. So we need to really test our, our abilities around the boundary conditions. It will happen. There's no doubt. But it's not tomorrow. So the Google Autonomous Car uh, is helping move this forward, but we're not quite there yet. The other point, and again, should be a sidebar or another conversation, is uh, do we, are we able to create cars that uh, their behavior would be acceptable and, and even ethical uh, to just drive the point home for a second? We make many, many split-second decisions as human drivers, and we sometimes make a mistake and we cause damage and, and mm-hmm. maybe worse. Now, society forgives us. Society punishes us, perhaps, but forgives us. Are we, is, is our society ready to accept um, software errors and forgive cars or maybe the car makers about creating uh, software that, is, uh, that made the wrong decision and caused damage? We are only in the very beginning of this conversation. I spent a long, a very, very exciting dinner roundtable at MIT talking about this topic exactly. The topic was... Can we, and I added parenthetically, should we be able to build cars that make ethical decisions? It's a very, very complex problem. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. Otto, you want to chime in on the complexity Joe just described? Uh, yeah, this is, but isn't this uh, unusual, this complexity? Yeah, everybody is using now an, an iPhone and a smartphone. And with, with thousands of things, it's our second office. Yeah, and we still have in, in our companies to discuss how do we change management if we change the process. So the complexity, I think, is not the issue. The issue is that, that partners need to work together, which are not used to work together. So governance need to work together with OEMs to make sure that, that the rules are in place. Yeah? We have complete different ways for, for, for the aftersales. Yeah? We have complete different ways how we check the technique of, an, of a car. Yeah? In Germany, for example, I need to go every two years to, to, to check my car if it's technically okay. In future, with an autonomous driving, I expect that this is not more done. So, there, of course, there's a lot of changes. Yeah? But, but have in mind, cars, big automotive OEMs are on the place since 100 years. Yeah? How much they have changed, how much technology have they driven. 
and they will travel another technology generation. And we have to be a little bit patient to get this all sorted. Yeah, I don't think it's really complex. The people are behind complex. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. putting new rules because of uncertainty and blah, blah, blah. And coming to, to Larry's point about using a car, here I also believe that it's much easier for the young generation because they are more or less born with an iPhone, with an iPad, with this technology. Uh, they will get another passion into this, as I said in the beginning. So all in all, let's take the challenge. Let's not ask why, let's take the challenge because if we don't, others will do. I like that. Larry Stoley, thoughts on what Otto just added? Well, you know, for me, I like Joe said, I did get digitally transformed a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, but, you know, you talk about the ethical and moral decisions. I, I will take the other side and say the technology that will drive us in autonomous vehicles never rests. It never sleeps. It's never distracted like human drivers are. It doesn't text. So while there are probably some challenges around the moral and ethical side that we need to figure out how to create that intelligence in the operating software, the other side of me says, I feel very secure because these systems don't ever get distracted or take time off. So that's the other side of, of, of the uh, uh, situation. I think we'll get there. I think it'll be a very safe and secure world as we go forward. My only concern is I'm a passionate driver from time to time. Not all the mm-hmm. time, but from time to time. How are you going to satisfy me? Well, I'm going to tell you how we're going to satisfy everyone with a comment here looking back in the history of transportation with Dean Pappas, who is, as I said, one of our active tweeters. He said, SAP Radio, of course, remember when cars were, um, okay, somebody else just tweeted and it's moving down here. Of course, remember when cars were challenged because they might scare the horses. Ha! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Dean. Uh, we did We did have another population on the roads. It was the horses and the people driving the horse-drawn buggies who were scared because of these things driving by that looked like they were almost driverless if you had a tall steering wheel and a short driver. But I rest my case. And by the way, we have a shout-out also to someone named Lil Miss Scooter. How appropriate who is talking about our show today. The future cars will be connected, driverless, eco-friendly, shared, and purpose-built. More on SAP Radio. Now, thank you for the shout-out, Loma Scooter. Appreciate that, and you're new to SAP Radio, and I hope you'll continue. Otto Shell, I'm looking at your talking points here. You sent me so many interesting notes. And let's talk about um, let's talk about IoT if you'd like to, and let's talk about challenging the go-to-market strategy. Mobility as a service. Otto, I'm just going to stop there. Why don't you bring up some of this that's of interest to you, and then we'll go around the table. Otto. Yeah, uh, I consider the car as a platform, so information in and out. So this will change also service around the car. So we'll change service in the after-sales part. It will change services how you get information in the car for advertising. So you are around the shop and you will get it. Your behavior will change because you will buy your stuff for home completely different. Maybe just passing through. So just consider the car as a platform, and it's the mobility which is the service roundabout. It will bring you from A to B. Yeah? It will help Larry sitting in the driver's seat. The car is autonomous driving, and Larry is in front of a simulator. So he feels still driving, even if he doesn't not. But on the other side, again, uh, the services around going into a city, getting parked by a car, yeah? making sure that you find a parking slot, yeah? making sure that you when in front of the restaurant, you're at the right time so that you have not to stay in traffic. This can be all possible 
with mobility as a service, but it means also that service will come, as I mentioned, into the car for, for, for shops to make sure that everything around you is equipped in a way that it serves you because uh, the IoT world will be a world of me. So I'm the customer. I'm also considered as a product, and around me, everything needs to be 24 hours in a perfect way so that I can do my job. I can spend my time with my with my family, with friends, without being distracted. And the car moves us always in one or the other way. But it's, as I said, it will move also a lot of services in and out. Very interesting, Otto. I'm thinking, I think you mentioned something about getting places on time. Can you imagine you're getting ready for a dinner party or a big conference and the car is revving up in the garage or outside or it just arrived from some post where it was was tethered to a, a lamppost somewhere? I'm being metaphorical about the uh, referring to the horses comment here yeah. that Dean Pappas yeah. made. And the car arrives and you're not ready. Otto, you are still putting your tux on. You are still fastening oh. that wonderful cummerbund you're probably wearing. And the car is ready how does it let you know Otto for goodness sake it's time to go to the conference Joe and Larry are waiting for you how will the car tell you that Otto because the lamps is shining or the window is going open something will happen because it's connected to my house yeah. <laughs> as, and, as long as it's not connected side, to you maybe it's yeah, connected the, to your, your smartphone yeah maybe I have a chip in my head in a few years and it's good I hope not so let's be I, Let's be open for everything. But I want one final comment on connected car. Why it's so yes. important that we have autonomous driving. It will bring people on the street which are not able to travel at the moment. Old people, handicapped people. So guess the time you will you will save with your family when your father or mother has an issue, when you know that the car is bringing him to the doctor. And you have not to be concerned about. So a lot of yeah. potentials also for other services. There is. And Dean poses a question to you, Otto. He says, will my car, my driverless car, break the law and speed to help me make my appointment on time? I don't know. I don't know if we need to answer that. I think it's just a uh, a question provocative, and uh, we're just going to leave that one sit there. And that's TBD, Dean Pappas. That's to be determined. Uh, maybe, maybe he can auction from the police driving a little bit faster without getting fined. Well, maybe that. Yeah, that's right. Maybe the speed limit, the whole concept of speed limits, might change with driverless cars because if they're that eco friendly, they're that safe, they're that green, they're that courteous. Maybe speed limits are basically off the off the radar. Literally speaking, we might change the whole speed concept. Might change if if in the day when everybody is in a driverless car, forget about the little old lady from Pasadena going twenty in the left lane. We don't want to talk to her anymore. Yes, you know what happens right now. You get into passion for this, and you are not driving, and that is what we wanted to do today. That's it. And Larry Stoley, comments from you, please. We're almost ready for our prediction segment. Larry, comment on auto mobility as a service. What do you think? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I thought about this just a second ago, and the world keeps going in circles. If you remember back in the old days of horse transportation, and if you will, um, you got off your horse in front of the general store, the saloon, whatever, slapped it on the withers, and the horse went off and grazed, and when you came out, finished your business, your drinking, whatever it was, you whistled, and just like Roy Rogers and Trigger, the horse came, right? Oh, yeah. What about oh, an yeah. autonomous car? It drops me off. I don't have to get wet and walk in the rain. I tell it to go park itself. It does. And then when it comes back, I just touch my smartphone or whatever. It comes back and picks me up. Are we back to the future or what? <laughs> Interesting point. And by the way, um, 
Another point brought up, Back to the Future, Dave Fowler at SAP is tweeting, of course, and he says, where will local municipalities find the money to create roads for driverless cars? Which brings up, I guess, my point about whoever the little old man or lady from Pasadena or from from wherever on Long Island is sitting at 26 in the left lane or at 10 in the right lane. How do you get the driverless cars to, to appreciate their capacity? Do we need special roads? Really good point. Uh, Joe Barkai, I'm going to give you just a minute to comment on what Larry and Otto just shared about mobility as a service. Thoughts, Joe? Yep. Um, I want to turn the conversation uh, on its ear a little bit and suggest that this kind of discussion, whether it's cars or even IoT, moves the center of gravity from the cars to the human, to us. And that, I think, is the, the important change overall. It's wrong, I think, to look at the car as being the, the, <laughs> in the driver's seat. Terrible pun, I apologize. Um, it's really <laughs> not about the car. It's about the human, and, and cars are becoming uh, service devices. Um, and, and I think that one, I know we're going to go into production, but I think that one of the areas that slows down evolution from a business uh, model perspective uh, and even those uh, technologies and the ethical decision-based models is that car makers today still think about cars of the future as being the center. The, the business models they offer center around the cars and not about the humans. And the transition will start taking place where we think about humans as consumers and producers of information and services. And mobility will be one of them. You know what, Larry, uh, Joe, is that your prediction? Because I'm ready to move on. We have just uh, five minutes to close the show, less than five minutes. So you want to add on, if that wasn't your prediction, why don't you give it to me right now? What do you want to say? Okay. Future? Yes. So, so we talked a little bit earlier about the fact that technology is progressing very, very fast, but the fragmentation uh, is going to continue. And Otto also referred to this as, you know, lack of standards. We can't even set the clock on the dashboard uh, uniformly. Um, I think that as long as car makers uh, see this as being the competitive differentiator, uh, adoption is not going to follow at the same rate of technology. Uh, So we need standardization, and this will take time. Um, I think that we're still facing significant challenges in autonomous driving. I I think that uh, Dean Pappas actually did touch upon this about speed limit, but it's much more than that. Car software is designed to follow the, the uh, traffic rules. Now, when are they allowed to violate the, tra- the, the rule and maybe uh, switch a lane? And what if, if, um, if Larry mm-hmm. in his own car is, is following an autonomous car, the car switches lane too fast, and Larry cannot see the pedestrian that was blocked from his view? So there are a lot of questions around that, and these are very, very significant questions. We'll continue wrestling with those um, in a long time. Um, so to summarize my prediction, I guess. One sentence summary, because we need time for Otto's predictions and Larry's. Yes. Go ahead. One sentence, Joe. Go. So very exciting, very interesting, five to ten years out. Thank you very much. Joe Barkai, uh, good news is Larry and I are cooking up a whole series around the future of automotive for 2016. So if you play your cards right and drive in the right lane, or maybe the left lane, you'll get invited back to continue the conversation. you got to be really nice to Larry now. Okay, Otto Shell at the airport in Seattle. Uh, go ahead, Otto. What are your predictions? I can give you a whole 60 or even 75 seconds. What do you see coming down the future? Otto Shell, please. Yeah, what I'm coming down the future is this discussion we have right now. So talking about possibilities round about the car, connected, autonomous, changing the, the, the infrastructure, 
But my prediction is also that we have to change behaviors, to have to change cultures, to be open. Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm at the airport, and the autopilot in a in a plane is something as usual. Autopilot in a car, we are talking because we are passionate. We can help it. We are not passengers as in a plane. So my prediction is that this will come, no doubt. But we have to change behaviors and to accept the technology changes which are in. We are in a generation where we are living this. It's not something which comes after the fact. We are in the middle in this. And we have to open this kind of things to ensure also from a social perspective that we make life easier, that we make life healthier, and that we make life much more fun and not being concentrated in something which brings us only from a point A to B. Let's have all this discussion open, and uh, I'm pretty sure it will come in one or the other way. If it's not coming in the in the normal areas like uh, Europe or like US, it will certainly come in China, Japan, and these areas where people are much more addicted to technology because they don't have to change and to these this history we have, they are starting new. And if it comes from there, it will also come to us. Thank you, Otto Shell GM. Appreciate it. Larry Stoley, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. But, Larry, you're going to have your own series, so you can be on every single week in 2016. But tell me, what do you see? What are your top predictions? One minute, Larry Stoley, go. One of the things that I see coming as we move to autonomous vehicles, as we move to shared mobility and so on, one of the things that's going to happen is these shared mobility concepts are going to become tailored. So for me today, I drive a pickup truck. Why do I drive a pickup truck? Well, the eight reasons are obvious. Uh, Bonnie, you mentioned your 350 and three bags of, of groceries and so on. <laughs> That's it. Shared mobility it gives me the opportunity to have the pickup truck capability today and yeah. the small capability tomorrow. I so, love it. you know, tailored mobility is something that's going to come to us, and I think that's going to have a tremendous impact on the way we live our lives. Thank you very much. We are at the one-minute mark. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. And from the lively Twitter stream at hashtag SAP Radio, it looks like our tweeters have to shout out to Joe Barkai has been tweeting as well. Dean Pappas, thank you, Dean. Great comments. Stephanie Thomas, always lovely to see you there. Dave Fowler, woohoo! glad you're there and uh, looking forward to your show. What are we doing? We have a new show coming up on Future of Business with you. And Lil Miss Scooter, whoever you are, thank you for listening and hope you will tune in again. Shout out to Wilson Zhu at SAP, who started part one of this topic way back when on our series called Transforming Your Business with Game Changers earlier this year. And look what's happened. We're going to get a whole series out of it. So thank you to Joe Barkai. Joe, hugs, hugs, hugs. Always wonderful to speak with you. Love your passion. Otto Shell. I hope you'll come back and join us again. You are a wonderful contributor and have a safe and happy flight. I hope somebody is driving the plane, Otto. And Larry Stoley, I'm looking forward to working with you very closely on a new series on the future of automotive in 2016. Thank you to our engineer, Justin, at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for tuning in to this new edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here's my shout-out. How appropriate. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Even if it's driverless, I think you should wear a seatbelt. Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you later today on Game Changing HR Leaders at 2 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. 
Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back. 